spoken word. Half an hour of poetry and performance. Your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene. The voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Welcome to the Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Brendan Bonsack. 3CR broadcasts from Wawandri land in the Kulin Nation, Stolen Land. We pay our respects to Elders past and present. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hunter Publishers has released a new book by poet Nicholas Powell, which it describes as trick-riding through poetic topography, That book is called Trap Landscape, and I'll be speaking with Nicholas in a moment from his writer's billet at the Queensland Poetry Festival. And also in the program today, we have a piece recorded by Andy Jackson, and we'll take you back to Jennifer Compton's live performance at the Cherry Poets, captured for posterity in May. Nicholas Powell is an Australian-born writer who lives mostly in Finland now, but returns to his homes in Brisbane and Melbourne every now and again. Nicholas is the winner of the 2011 Thomas Shapcott Prize for his book Water Mirrors, and is returning to Melbourne very soon to launch his new collection, Trap Landscape. I caught up with Nicholas after his busy day at the Queensland Poetry Festival. Welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to be with you. So you're up at the Queensland Poetry Festival at the moment? Yes, I am. Uh, I'm in Brisbane. Uh, it's uh, kind of my, my old stomping ground. And uh, I was here 10, 10 years ago uh, to launch my first book through the University of Queensland Press. Uh, but I, I haven't been in, in Brisbane in a poetry capacity uh, uh, for the last 10 years. So uh, it's good to catch up with, with some colleagues and, and a bit surreal as, as well, dealing with a little bit of jet lag. And how have the events been? I don't remember QPF having uh, panels in the past, but uh, that's probably been the, the, the highlight for me. Uh, Sarah holland Bat and Felicity Plunkett were talking about questions of quality on a panel this morning. Uh, yesterday we did a, a panel on um, poetry and existential risk, poetry at the end of the world, talking about climate change and uh, eco-criticism. And uh, yeah, the readings, it's been a bit quiet at the festival, I think, as everything sort of comes back after the pandemic. But, you know, gee, it would be great if QPF really sort of, you know, gets back to being the vital force (laughs) that, that it was many years ago. I'm interested in the panel called poetry at the end of the world what sort of things were discussed at that yeah i I, some of the talking points were the political efficacy of of poetry uh how should poets respond to existential risk and climate change Uh, there was an uh like an op-ed by ben opry in the guardian a couple of years ago which sort of um laid down some strictures uh, about how you know writers should respond to climate change. And he said, you know, we have to act from a place of existential creativity and writers need to have a singular purpose. Only write about the truth and it can't be frilly and so on. So, uh, you know, we talked about Auden's old adage, poetry makes nothing happen. It was, it was really interesting. I never set out to write a book about climate change or 
you know, I don't think of myself as particularly politically engaged writer, but was interesting because there are elements of critique in my work, but it's also very playful. What was your inspiration for the book? Uh, well, the epigram, there are three epigrams actually, but the first one is uh, from Flann O'Brien, the third policeman. Did you ever see a man on two legs galloping? Uh, and there's another one by Emerson from Nature. A man who seldom rides needs only to get into a coach and traverse his own town to turn the street into a puppet show. And I guess I've always been interested in that. The way we sort of uh, structure our lives and, uh, and so on is um, always seemed very strange to me. And it's something to be explored in poetry. And I guess I, I take the mickey out of, uh, you know, different vernaculars of neoliberal discourse playing with words, looking for double meanings and uh, trying to create different envisionments within a word or a chunk of language. The poems have, you know, one foot in this world. And there's a Finnish poet, Edith Sodergren, who said that uh, poetry is a country that doesn't exist. And I guess I have another foot in there as well. Do you mind sharing a poem from the book? Yeah, sure. Perhaps I'll read uh, a poem called Engineered Scenery. In the formation of compounds, English has great freedom. Orphans and unmanly informants do the airport limbo. A cup runs over. To hide the stain you put the boot in, most words of Anglo-Saxon origin, run tongues along the teeth ridge and remove hats to kiss the heel of Achilles' cold marble harp. In a comprehensive taxi in a foreign city, cigars were passed, governing who is spreading the news. I shan't. You are much obliged. Worse was in store for the twofold future. Curse words of wisdom slipped into the waiting palm. Both parachutists screamed envy of French origin the superlative laxative and single stress. On the whole, I held out hope, but no one paid me a like compliment, a handkerchief shaken out or watermelon served cubed. The penultimate millimetre of the sheriff's aperitif strikes a crimson line through the criminal mind. Mass is said. It's very visual and dreamlike to me. Yeah, I, I suppose it's a kind of like a, a, a dreamscape um, in a way, and it's drawn to the absurd. You know, there's a great book called Key Words by uh, Raymond Williams, which looks at, you know, words like um, innovation, resilience, and so on, and looks at the etymology of those words that we just take for granted in, in our everyday discourse. Um, and I think it's uh, one thing that, that I try and do in poetry is sort of poke fun at that and at, uh, you know, bourgeois discourse, but also like HR speak and um, that kind of thing. And you live in Finland now. Do you speak Finnish? I speak Finnish at a basic to intermediate level. Um, and I, I suppose that process of moving to a country and uh, being forced to learn the language has been very good for me. So uh, I've become interested in 
questions of translation, uh, slippage, misunderstandings, uh, you know, what happens at the language barrier. When you're writing, do you write from uh, inspiration or do you think hard? I think hard, but when there is a phrase or an image that that serves as a jumping off point and I have time, uh, then it it flows pretty well, but it it comes in in phases now because life gets in the way. But yeah, it's a a process of accretion, I guess. But over months, you you look up and you have a bunch of poems. Also, I I revise a lot and there are poems in this book which, you know, have been around for, for many years. Do you perform them? As a younger poet, I, I read a lot out here in Brisbane and then when I lived in, in Melbourne from 2004 to 2007. I, uh, but since I moved to Finland, I could probably count on one hand the, the amount of times I've read in public. Uh, but I do like it. I think it's good when you, you read your work to an audience as well because you can see it in real time. <laughs> you know, you get a kind of immediate feedback, which is good. And in Finland, do they have open mic poetry readings like like here in Melbourne? Uh, I don't think it's on the the same scale. I think it's like it's a peripheral thing. But then outside of the capital area, um, in uh, places like Gvascula and Tampere are also uh, more in like central Finland, are pretty fertile places for experimental poetry, Uh, you know, interesting work with typography, and, and so on. So, you know, like here, there's all kinds of poets in all, all kinds of cliques. Uh, but, you know, I know a, a couple of poets there, but I'm not like enmeshed in the, the scene. I feel like a true exile. <laughs> yeah, you know, very hermetic. 3CR Radiothon, show your support during June 2022. We need your financial support to be independent, community-controlled and focused on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon keeps the station strong and enables us to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax-deductible. 3CR. Keep community strong. The bike itself. The black bike someone left locked up is daily deconstructed by theft. With each walk past, you think, I could do with that. A simplification where what's lost isn't up to me. Without knowing it, this is Coburg's version of a Zen koan. Where has the bike itself gone? A miner swoops and clips a pigeon. A plastic bag becomes a flag on a fig tree. And a young man stares into his laptop's dim, flickering screen. And now you can't walk past the half-demolished house. No roof or walls. Only an empty frame surrounding a fireplace. Memories... Not even lavender-patterned wallpaper can hold on to. Lift into the sky, like pollen or dust in reverse. 
That was the voice of Andy Jackson with his poem, The Bike Itself. You are listening to The Spoken Word Show on 3CR, 855 AM. My name is Brendan Bonsack, and I'm talking with poet Nicholas Powell today about his new book, Trap Landscape, and his living between Australia and his home in Finland. Europe has changed very quickly recently. (laughs) You have the war in Ukraine and Finland suddenly wanting to join NATO. What's your sense of the mood in that part of the world now? Yeah, well, certainly in February and March, you know, everybody was rushing out to the the chemist to stock up on iodine pills in case there was nuclear fallout. So people were very paranoid. Um, Understandably, in a sense, we we have like a very long border with Russia. It's uh, at least 800 kilometres or something. So now joining NATO uh, like doubles the length of the border that NATO will share with Russia. And up until this point, Finland has been very um, good at uh, taking, uh, being a neutral country and, and not poking the bear, as it were. And just for your family and, and yourself, what was the feeling when the war broke out? You know, worry, <laughs> worry like everybody else. And, you know, a feeling of helplessness that this is not happening to us. You know, we can't, like, feel sorry for ourselves because we're not, uh, you know, the, the risk to ask is, is quite, like, minimal um, because uh, Finland is not considered part of the former Soviet Union. But, but, of course, you know, there are older Finnish people were babies uh, when Finland was at war with Russia in 1939 to 1942. So it's still, like, you know, part of the... And just on on climate change that we were talking about before, is there a different sense of urgency around climate change in Finland? Yeah, I've been surprised and and pleased to see what what I sense. I mean, I could be wrong, but more like uh, urgency in Australia now. Um, and, uh, you know, more Australians, I guess, according to the, the polls, are, are, you know, believe that we should take action now, um, regardless of the, the cost. Um, but in, in Finland, it's, there's been more consensus, definitely. Uh, and just in general, <laughs> the public discourse is not as polarised in Finland. They don't have a two-party system. So uh, generally, like, things are debated in a, in a more um, congenial manner. The, the press ownership is not so diverse, um, but it's not um, based on uh, fear. Would you like to share another poem? Yeah, sure. Uh, perhaps I'll read um, uh, Light Green Night Out. Which of you tried to poison me? Certainly the fructose and glucose... It's better than a circus, assisted living. Look at that salmon, find me my teeth. Honey replaces the receiver by the flora. Harmony it is, a delightful town to my landlady, Coral. Sharp apparition of the angel at the traffic circle. The sun danced on villains with colour television, on Miss Bell's refreshing bath, on one wet peppermint footstep on a wee green cowslip. Daisy, eagerly, wind and gales whisk your libido diary out of her clutches. Drizzle sauce over duck dedicated to, you bet, 
more utes and pies and funny noses near the mouth. Run across to the sweet shop for coral where all answers begin with om. Shopkeeper of first tier terror, profiteer nemesis to pre-adolescence. I am, am I, in terror banging mincemeat of you. Face facts, face rays which pass through many ups and down indices not otherwise seen. What was going through your head when you thought of a libido diary? I don't know, like uh, maybe when I think of that, uh, you know, I think of that scene in, in Twin Peaks where uh, <laughs> is it Donna goes to try and um, steal Laura's diary from the creepy guy with the like greenhouse, uh, <laughs> I guess, maybe, I don't know. Um, that's the image that comes to mind. Maybe I was writing that that time, writing that poem about the same time as uh, watching Twin Peaks for the and uh, time yeah but the good thing uh, I guess when because these poems have been around for a long time I, I don't really remember the conditions of writing them because they've been reworked so many times and yeah you don't remember the conditions specifically but do you remember the emotions yeah well I guess when I work I want to feel uh, astonished uh, when you place two words beside one another that thrill and for me like it's about the pleasure of creating something so that's what I remember and that's usually what I feel when I sit down to write poetry when I was younger I was writing more like earnest lyrical stuff maybe because I thought that that's what was expected or of me in this thing uh, but you know I'm really happy with this book because I let myself be extremely cheeky. Uh, that's serious as well. And there can be, you know, elements of meaningful critique, even in something that is, that is funny. It was interesting reading um, yesterday because people, are, you know, they're not sure whether to laugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's always interesting to me, like that sort of like the intersubjective meaning and I like it when people chuckle. And you are coming to Melbourne soon, of course, and you'll be performing at Cherry Poets on the 18th of June, and I'm sure you'll get some laughs there. Yeah, I hope so. I believe that that's the new reincarnation of the old Dan O'Connell uh, reading where I kind of cut, cut my teeth many years ago. Uh, I moved to Melbourne from Brisbane in, uh, I believe it was 2004, and I was there till um, uh, late 2007. It was run by Ted, Ted Lord in 2004, but, but he passed away, I guess it was 2007. And, um, and since then, I guess that reading's been run by a committee. But, you know, like, you know, I was involved with some things at the Melbourne Poets Union and, and you know, like uh, Collected Works was, uh, you know, an important, like, locus of, of poetry at that time, uh, but you know, Melbourne is just full of our best poets and um, uh, an old friend of mine, uh, Luke Beasley, uh, who is also formerly from, from Brisbane. Uh, I was very happy when I convinced Luke to move to Melbourne in uh, I guess uh, around about that time as well, maybe 2007, and he's still there and he's gonna launch uh, the book, Trap Landscape at uh, the State Library on Tuesday the 21st. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And where are you heading to from Brisbane? 
Yeah, thank, thanks, Brendan. It's my pleasure. And uh, from here, uh, I head to Sydney doing a reading on Tuesday the 14th at Sappho Books in Glebe. Uh, and then, um, as you said, down to Melbourne. The 18th at, at Sherry Poets and the 21st at the State Library. Nicholas Powell's book Trap Landscape is being launched at Readings on Wurrung Country at the State Library of Victoria on the 21st of June at 6.30pm. It is free, but visit the Readings website to book as places are limited. And there's more information and you can purchase the book at www.hunterpublishers.com.au. And as we mentioned, you can also catch Nicholas at the Cherry Tree Hotel on Saturday the 18th of June from about 2pm. And speaking of the Cherry Tree Hotel, let us turn our attention now to Jennifer Compton, who was feature reader there in early May. Jennifer Compton was born in Wellington, Aotearoa, and now lives in Melbourne. She has published many, many books of poetry, and her latest being The Moment Taken, published by Recent Work Press. 3CR's trusty recorder was at Jennifer's recent reading at the Cherry in Cremorne, and here to see us out of the show is part one of that recording. My name is Brendan Bonsack. Thank you so much for listening. Do we love one another enough yet? Last night I walked down to our supermarket through a tunnel of gentle rain and every person rushing by me was another world of difficulty and difference. I did not stop them, did not put out a summoning hand and mention ice caps. I allowed their stream of consciousness to pass through me. Why worry them yet? Soon enough is soon. If they are not worried now, they will be worried soon. And if there is nothing to worry about, we are sweet. Squatting on a mushroom that won't go boom. A mushroom that goes boom is an olden times, behind-the-eyes nightmare. All this time, I have been pondering the wrong storm. (laughs) Getting old is not for the weak, as Stephen and I were discussing. But, you know, there's some... Beautiful golden moments. And here's a poem called Three Instances. I am already forgiven over and over again. There is nothing to regret. When I am thinning radish, I munch the thinnings up in all their dirt. I like a bit of dirt now and then. Knock me off my perch. It's disgusting to hear me braying like a proud fool. I disgust myself. I sit in my front garden like an old woman, my hands loose in my skirted lap, and I feel the weight of my destiny lift off me. 
a blackbird in silhouette with one golden eye perched in the leafless persimmon tree. We all know that particular tree dangles golden fruit from a leafless branch, don't we? We do now. Sudden, so perfect, mind's eye, I am loved. One golden eye and below, golden fruit upon the bough. My first set I'm doing all from my, um, my 11th book, which I got a beautiful apt photo from my friend Coral Carter, who's a wonderful poet and also a supreme photographer. Uh, this one's called Three Grapefruit Behind a Lace Curtain. Um, uh, the second set I'll do some new work. You know, I'm struggling on with the 12th book. Doesn't get easier, doesn't get easier. Um, I'll read you. Um, I'll read you a long poem, which I, I don't read a lot because, you know, usually one's open micing and one is sensitive to the time issues. But um, <laughs> we could <laughs> we can relax and enjoy. Feel the guilt. <laughs> the old man and the tower. It's all a bit mythical, this one. What a knee-buckling weight he is, the old man sat astride my shoulders. The sheer heft of him, the yoke of his thighs, so much meat and bone in him, a nodding cannonball for a head, larger than life-size, his stentor chest. Homer wrote of Stentor that his voice was as powerful as 50 voices of other men. That loud man died, it is written, after getting into a shouting match with the trickster son of Zeus. Women don't shout much. We scream. What manner of tower might it be? Some crumbling old wreck from antiquity, some grace and favour, heritage-listed place of last resort for the fairy and the demon. Without recourse, I carry him upon the back of my neck, finding each spiral step with a careful seeking foot nearly at the top, and still he sings like a little child, hanging on to my ears, hoping for a good view, legs dangling athwart. I have the impression that the old man assumes he is mounting this archaic structure of his own accord, that each increment of height seems no more than he deserves. Is he our sacrifice? Will I tip him onto the cobblestones below once I have gained the view? Is it a kill-the-father job? It's like a chess piece, this tower, crenellated. Permission to fortify, sir! This is the territory of Answerback. This is where the all of ministry bites. Enough, enough, enough. Eek, 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 eek. Or better now, calm as a mill pond, smooth as a smoothing iron, whatever that is, dashing away. Not one to assure burden, no. 
happy to pull as hard against the collar or lift a load as anyone, but my littleness against your immensity. The tower, so it seems, is finite, tops out into vaporous cloud, the realm of what comes next. There may be other towers about. Who knows? I don't know. Intent, like a lonely donkey, withers rung, a jenny or a henny. My being is set upon this task, such as the donkey song. So I steady you, one hand poised upon your flank, the other hoisted on a cant for balance. So and, and I take the next step. And if that sounded like a threat, it is. <laughs> <laughs>